Hello and welcome back to season two of Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Von Medin, and I'm so happy to be back hosting our second season of this podcast. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a different guest and chatting all things fertility. As always, it's our hope that through this series, through honest conversation and information, we can strip away some of the stigma that often comes hand in hand with infertility and fertility treatment in Ireland. This week, I'm so happy to be joined by Sarah Brown, who is a therapy fertility patient and who is going to be sharing with us her journey to becoming a single mammy by choice. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, that's your Instagram handle, isn't it? It is, yeah. Single mammy by choice. So everyone go follow now um, and follow along the journey. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm um, um... 10 weeks pregnant now and uh, quite sick but <laughs> having a, a break in the sickness day so um so today is a good day it's a better day <laughs> <laughs> um let's go back to the start where are you from i'm from edinburgh um gorgeous accent well. i love your yeah accent. sorry people might not be able to understand me sometimes I speak we'll, have to, too we'll quickly. have to stop chatting yeah. <laughs> um, but i have lived in ireland for 10 years now mm-hmm. 2012 i moved over so um Pretty much one of you, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so did you grow up with siblings or um, were you an only child? I am an only child um, from quite a small family anyway, um, both sides of my parents. And they split up when I was about 12. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm an ultimate loner. (laughs) (laughs) And I I moved over to Ireland with a boyfriend at the time. Okay. Um, And then we broke up and I had already started to retrain in Irish law. So I thought I'll stay here and see that out. And then I just haven't left from here. And so you work as a lawyer? I'm a lawyer, yeah, for my sons. A barrister or a solicitor? A solicitor. Okay. I pretend I know what the difference is. I don't really, although I think I do. I think the solicitors do a lot of the paperwork and like, and then the barristers do the arguing in court. Is that, or, is that, or is that the opposite? Everybody believes that. And then like the TV makes it look like that. And barristers, sorry, no offense if any barristers listen, but they, they march around with their cloaks on or whatever. And, they, and the wigs. Yeah, and they think they're the powerful ones who get to argue in court. Um, solicitors can also argue in okay. court. Um, and they do sometimes, but yeah, we do, we do other areas of law that barristers won't. So all the like, kind of property work, um, yes, also paperwork, although they do some of it, um, is really down to solicitors. It's not as dull as it sounds though. Um, <laughs> but like, actually I'd probably rather be arguing in court, so you might have a point. Um, so at what point did you start thinking about children in your life? Did you, like when you were growing up, did you always see yourself as, as a, as a parent or... No, I I didn't come from like a, a particularly privileged background. In fact, like mm. I grew up in a part of Edinburgh that was, I think, like a European black spot. Mm. Um, so my parents were, well, my dad was the first in his family to get like a university level education. I was one of the first in my mum's entire family. Um, so my mum instilled that in me. Um, and so from a very young age, and then early 20s, mid 20s, I was just like education, and law takes so long, and particularly the route I'd done it. It was just education, um, get a career, climb up the career ladder, just keep going because it was instilled in me from a very young age and the opposite of everything my family had seen. So that's what I'd done. And I had a partner at the time that I moved over with and I thought of kids then because it is almost a natural occurrence when you're in any form of like committed relationship. It seems like the next step. But then we broke up 
um, six, six, seven years ago now. Um, and it just kind of fell off my radar mm. for a good part. And I, I think that's just a natural part of being single. It's almost, I don't know if it's that we're conditioned to think like that, or maybe it's a, an evolutionary biological thing that you just, you don't feel the need when there isn't a partner around, or you're not in a relationship. Um, but it was not on my radar. I spent a lot of time progressing my career, traveling, enjoying myself, buying nice things. Um, and then maybe the last two years, like like every woman I'd say in Ireland who's single, I've been having like thump after thump on the dating market. Like it is, mm. it's a hard place out mm. there. Like it really is a meat market. Um, and then with every one of those, it doesn't work. You, oh, me anyway, I can't speak for everybody, but <clears throat> I started to get more and more slightly disappointed mm. with each one and they were becoming cumulative and I was wondering why my response like this could be I'd be dating someone for three weeks and I'd be really upset when it went wrong and it was mm. disproportionate and I think I came to realize it's because I had always wanted kids in some way shape or form and the more that wasn't working for me the more I realized it was further and further it was getting further and further away um and so then the realization began to creep back in like how did I forget this mm. so Within, I'd say like the last 18 months, 24 months, it'd been really playing on my mind. And I thought, oh, perhaps I'll freeze my eggs. Mm. But I'm a massive coward. <laughs> I didn't want to go through um, medical procedures unnecessarily. And I thought, God, that's, that seemed for me anyway, quite invasive without going the next step. If I'm going to do that, why don't I just do the whole thing? Mm. But then obviously, that's, freezing your eggs is quite a different thought to doing it entirely on your own. So then you yeah. have to have another leap mm. so I did over the course of say maybe a year there wasn't like a definite turning point necessarily but it was the thoughts were creeping in and creeping in and then see last September I was like okay I'm just gonna go and do it on my own scrap the egg freezing I'll just go the whole hog and <laughs> jump right in and here we are <laughs> <laughs> so how did you how did you find therapy I was um partaking in my usual Saturday morning ritual which was um coffee and at the time smoking I don't smoke anymore but it was like a favorite <laughs> pastime of mine um and I was scrolling and I saw it um obviously I'd probably been searching for things or whatever and it became you know like Facebook or Instagram I know I Google is always listening to you it is listening <laughs> definitely and it popped up and I was like oh I'll just because it was a brand that was familiar to me mm-hmm. um I thought it was interesting that they'd moved into a new area mm. um and I had in a professional capacity some familiarity um with the owners of therapy yeah and I thought okay well maybe I'll give them a a shot um some of my friends were shocked because obviously therapy is known for Botox, <laughs> laser so, <yeah>. hair <laughs> Botox. Yeah. and my friend was like I'm not sure you can get a baby when you're getting laser <laughs> hair removal and I was like well you can it's actually. not the same clinic <laughs> yeah no it was obviously separate companies in the same brand but yeah, yeah. um it's renowned for that so yeah yeah, Botox laser baby (laughs) (laughs) um so at what point did you tell your family and your friends that you were going to be having an appointment and and going and exploring this right away I am like I'm an overshader like I I would tell the whole world everything I'm thinking yeah (laughs) I need to be stopped sometimes actually (laughs) so even when I was thinking about it I told everybody um and not for any particular reason because I don't really listen to anybody else but I probably field my thoughts and then just go with it anyway. So I told, like, my, my immediate family. Like, yeah. I have some cousins that I would consider, like, sisters. Um, I told them and I told my best friends. And then they got a, a blow-by-blow blow after <laughs> every appointment and every Every test. step of the way. They knew everything, yeah. Yeah. And did anyone have any reservations about you doing it by yourself? Or was everyone just immediately on board? 
everybody was on board. Mm. I think the person I was most concerned, and this probably sounds offensive, is my dad because mm. I don't know. I sometimes think maybe men would have a different reaction, and he's in his sixties now. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe he might find it a bit odd. But he was absolutely delighted. Um, and in hindsight, I wonder if that was a dad's dream for a daughter because <laughs> there's no man that they have to contend with, you know. <laughs> thing. So he gets to be a granddad, and there isn't a man who might hurt me or whatever. So. Yeah. Um, everybody was absolutely delighted. I I did expect even some maybe uncomfortable questions. Yeah. Um. Or, you know, sometimes you can get little passive aggressive remarks or something. Sure. I expected something, and there was nothing. Everybody was, like, genuinely so delighted. I've never done something where people are so supportive actually. Mm. Um. So how did you find the process of like the initial consultation and you know getting started? Um. It's so easy. Well, my, sorry, it's not for everybody, but I was very fortunate that it was, mm. and therapy made it mm. easy, genuinely. Um, the first step was a nurse consultation with some bloods, which I don't enjoy, but it was relatively pain-free. Did Michelle take your bloods? Yes. So I was actually, I remember it vividly because I was also going on a first date that night. Oh. <laughs> um, timing was a bit mad, obviously. That's so funny. This. Did you tell your date? He knows now. Oh, so um, funny. Yeah, I didn't actually... I'll come back to that, but I didn't tell him. And then I decided to date. He was lovely. Really, yeah. actually. Probably one of the best dates I've had in the last 10 years. Really nice person. And we dated maybe six or seven weeks or so. And then I was just so invested in doing this myself. Mm. that I was like, I'm really not... And he's probably maybe at a different time, different place. I would have mm. really liked him. But I was like, no, I've, this, I've got a new focus just now. So yeah, I'm not going to do that. This is just for me, yeah. But when I told everybody on my Instagram account... um he was one of my followers and he was like no way <laughs> I was like yeah I hope you don't look at the time in there but it was exactly right in the middle the same day yeah, that's why I said I wasn't into it kind of um yeah yeah then it's actually funny because if you don't hear dating someone and they kind of say they're not feeling it anymore give you the cold shoulder you always presume it's something to do with you but yeah. I was kind of looking back on that being like if only he knew it really it was genuinely wasn't no. him yeah. um it was me yeah so um yeah very easy I had bloods taken um, fortunately everything looked good mm. I hadn't had a consultation then but I googled every single number on the results and I knew they were okay um, and then I had a, a scan um, and then a consultation and we were ready to go after that like I had no obvious issues so I just had to then pick a sperm donor and get going so let's talk about picking the sperm donor how did you find that as a process it's um it's bizarre it is bizarre like it's it's kind of enjoyable now it's enjoyable and if somebody else was doing it I'd be like have a little party let me in yeah, yeah. I want to have a look as well um but when I was choosing it did become a little bit overwhelming um it really like it's a cliche now everybody says it but it is like sperm tinder um because you get so much information like you get some childhood photographs biography personality tests medical history um and you're just kind of flicking through seeing who's suitable mm. so at first um, I had a lot of uh, donors I thought would be great candidates and then unfortunately by the time I came to choose a donor the pool had dropped mm. significantly so I was actually struggling to find one so I think I was looking maybe three times three or four times a day I would just go back on and see uh, if any <clears throat> new ones had come up yeah yeah and it's actually I think everybody should do that because I've heard that there's like been a surge in demand for sperm donors mm. and they can't keep up with the demand 
which is a funny thought. <laughs> well, it's um, funny. I, I, I think a part of that is because some of the criteria around what type of donor you're allowed to choose has changed recently yeah. in Ireland. So um, that's probably why, what, like, there definitely are sperm donors, mm. uh, but possibly not as many as there has been in the past. Yeah, and I heard as well that there's, there is something that, I don't know if it's obviously one for sperm banks, but that you can, they can sign more paperwork and not just about being open, but mm. then they become more available to Ireland. Yeah. I'm not sure the ends and outs of that, even though it's my job. <laughs> but uh, there wasn't that many, but I did, it was refreshing three or four times a day. And the one I ultimately chose appeared at like four o'clock on a Wednesday, I think, or something. Um, so I wasn't sure how he just appeared back. Maybe he was released back into the pool. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so if someone chooses a donor, there's kind of like a hold put on them. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, called, it's called it's like a preg it's, it's a deposit. It's, it's the pregnancy slot yeah. because only a certain number of, of families can be created in Ireland from any one donor. Exactly. Um but if someone has tried to use that donor and pregnancy hasn't resulted, they can Re- release them back release into the wild. Back into the pool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fish is back in. So, um, and I, I snapped him up. So that was. It's not really a traumatic story. It just took me longer than yeah. I, I would have liked. <laughs> and at what point did you do your implications counselling? Just after that. So, and it's so weird. You just remember dates. I found him on the fourteenth of December. Um, ordered that day. Yeah. And then obviously it was Christmas break. Mm-hmm. So I had to try and get it as soon as possible after the Christmas break, so I could go ahead with the IUI. Yeah. So I done it on the third of January. It was the first. And how did you find that? Did you do you it find that fine. an interesting session? Yeah, I've have heard um, from other people who've done it that they have different experiences. Mm. I think depending on what your concerns or your questions are, mm. but predominantly the role of the counsellor is just to make sure you understand the process, that you understand the law around it and mm. like your rights and what will be the rights of your child, um, and then any additional questions you have thereafter. And I had like everything in my life, already researched it to death. So I didn't have many questions. But she did tell me things that I wasn't aware of. Like, um, whilst the law says you can't, or the child won't be able to make contact until at least 18, mm. obviously with the advent of modern technology and mm. DNA testing and you know, like Ancestry.com or whatever, people are finding each yeah. other accidentally. Mm. So, for example... I ever want to DNA test my child with their consent obviously a bit <laughs> earlier than that you may find your donor's cousin yeah. for example yeah. um, and then it's quite easy to yeah. link up who they yeah. are um, and then there are some groups online who share information about yeah. donors so that their children so genetically siblings can meet up mm. so I had just thought okay zero and then 18 years will be the next step but there's but not necessarily no no yeah. you can find out much sooner yeah, and did you have any other concerns around using a donor, or do you know that you're pregnant? Has has like your, you know, how you how you feel shifted at all, or I I don't know if I'd call them concerns. There was things I perhaps hadn't considered. Mm. I did have I say it quite flippantly that you know I just went in September, October, done it in December, but. Through all the the months of thinking, mm. I'd had a look at things, and I was looking throughout. So I understood all like the implications, legally anyway. Um, but now, for example, a good one is the Facebook groups I was referring to, where you can make an account if you have a child, mm-hmm. um, and log in, and you can search for your donor and see if that donor has um, was the biological father. That's a controversial term, whichever you want to use, of the child. So you can see perhaps siblings in at the UK or Italy or the US and 
having gone through this process, I thought a lot about like what the child's point of view would be and the child's rights. And I follow a few people online who are donor conceived people and I had a look at like their content and some of the resources they were suggesting. And they all said, oh, it's so important for the child to know they were donor conceived, to know as soon as possible. Um, and that if there are donor siblings, they probably would like to have them in a network in some shape or form, um, provided everybody gets on and there's no problems. Yeah. So I had a look at the Facebook page and I sat there thinking, oh, will I join if I'm not? Because I'm pregnant now, so technically I'm not breaking any rules. I can have a look. Yeah. And I was so torn because I was thinking, okay, well, I've heard from donor-conceived people that that's what they want to do. Mm. And so I probably should do that. But then I felt a bit of discomfort because... I actually don't know why. I can't say because, but I did. And I wonder if it's just because you wouldn't... On traditional ways of having families probably quite a shock to find out that the biological father of your child had I don't know 16 other children mm. for example so I looked at it and I was like well, will I do it will I not and then I also didn't want to peer down the future and have a look at the kids of the donor because then I'd be it could be a glimpse of what my child will look like or not um it just felt a bit too much to open that box just now but I think I obviously will do it, say, maybe when the child's two or three, I'll start having a look. Yeah. Um, I've got plenty of time yet so far, yeah. but there, I think that's the first time I saw a bit of tension between what I would like and what the, the child's needs Might would be. Might need, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, I have two kids that are donor-conceived, and I've felt a lot of these same things and, you know, have been sitting with a bit of discomfort over, mm. over certain things and certain terms and phrases and... I think that's the really important thing is to recognize that what your feelings are as a parent mm. have to kind of take a back seat when 100%, it comes to what yeah. the needs of, of the child are and what their wants are and their wishes are in, in the years to come. And it's still like such a new area, like even speaking as a lawyer, like yeah. the the law that regulates it just now, whilst I think it was drafted in 2015, it wasn't really enacted until last year. So it's so new here um and then there's theory that like society makes law or law shapes society mm. and even because it's so new like the terms that are used or which is correct or which a child might like or which like a parent might like mm. or the donor may like themselves mm. all of it's so new mm. so it's such a learning process as well yeah. so I fully expect that in the years to come I'm probably sitting here quite naive thinking oh I've just found one tension I'm sure there'll be 40 yeah yeah um, for sure. the same way they're they're competing needs from any parent and their child or any mm. kind of family yeah um but maybe these ones are just a bit more, less well tread yeah um so we'll be new for everybody yeah um okay so in terms of the actual IUI and <laughs> going through the medication how did you find the meds I was quite lucky because um my numbers were quite good now that's not the be all and end of like I don't like saying that to people who are um going through fertility treatment because equally I know a lot of people who had what would be considered not great numbers mm. of certain levels of certain hormones and have been successful yeah. um so don't panic about that because everybody does but I I had quite high numbers um even for my age so I thought everything would be okay and it was and because of that I was given quite a low dose of medication and it's less for IUI than it is IVF anyway so they were fine. I can't really complain. Like I wasn't on a lot of hormones. Yeah. But <laughs> having said that and acknowledging that my road was a bit easier than other people's, I did still um, swell up like a balloon. <laughs> and it's not really gone down since then. I think that's just my makeup. I, yeah. If I'm going to hold water, I'm going to hold it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get any like 
any other discomfort other than right at the end you get like a trigger shot mm. and that made me what I now know <laughs> it's very similar to me in pregnancy like <laughs> I was really quite hormonal I suppose <laughs> um, upset tired feeling sick and I wish I'd known that was what was to come but that was my only um kind of negative experience I was fine with the drugs and the procedure itself is so simple mm. I actually was shocked that when I had to go in I had to put on little boots and a gown and a cap because to me it doesn't seem like a medical procedure it's yeah. it's so comfortable yeah in there and it's so it doesn't feel like you're in like a hospital or a clinic that I I almost got shocked when I saw that again it's it, like oh it's, it's still a procedure you yeah. know um and it's really nice it's <laughs> I you go into a room that's kind of dimly lit um and the embryologist passes things passes sperm through for me tells you how it's done, um, how many there are, which I was shocked that there's millions. I couldn't believe that. I was actually a bit like, I was joking, my donor's Danish. Yeah. And I was like, the Danish invasion? There's millions, <laughs> <laughs> there's millions of them in there now. I was really shocked. Um, and then the, it was fine. It was kind of like getting a smear test mm. because they use a very similar tools. Um, and then 10 minutes and I thought, well, I'll have to probably just sit there for like a, a little while. Yeah. No, I was told I could get right up and go to the bathroom. Yeah. Obviously, I was petrified. Oh my goodness, it's terrifying, isn't it? Like mm. after having an IUI or a transfer, you're like, you don't want to go to the bathroom because you feel like you're going to pee it out. But it's like, that's not an how anatomy <laughs> so, works. So I said, though, um, to the, like, the, I had a nurse and the doctor was there, Dr. Kennedy. And... First of all, I told him it was very romantic, which I think he was what like... What the dim lighting? After the procedure, it was done. And I was like, that's the most romantic one I've had. And I think he was like, get out of the clinic at that point. Um, but then he, was, he said he could go to the toilet. I was like, no, but you know, like, I can't. Yeah. And he was like, it's not the same as having sex. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure? So even like, probably a bit too much information. But when I went to the bathroom, I was trying not to strain. Do you know, like to lay out very slowly. And then I did. You don't have to do this. Science says you don't have to do this. But I sat with my legs up all day. Yeah. And I was like, gravity can't hurt. So <laughs> I'd, I'd done it like Phoebe from Friends, I suppose. Um, so after that was done, you went back to your normal life mm. for couple of weeks <laughs> how long did you last until you tested yeah I was gonna say it's not normal life I was a crazy person I I was fine I think for five days mm. I was really proud of myself so it's actually it's a for anyone who doesn't know it's a two-week wait mine was technically 15 days mm. um and they say then you know that's when you can get if you get a positive it's a real positive but I also had learned through all my googling and research that you can test out the trigger mm. so the trigger injection you're given to make you ovulate um, mimics the human pregnancy hormone. Mm. So it'll pick it up in a pregnancy test. So I wanted to make sure that um, if I got a positive, it wasn't the trigger mm. shot. So um, I started testing on day six, which is obviously ridiculously early, um, after what I learned about um, conception and implantation. And there was a very faint positive, which was a trigger. Done it again on day seven. The trigger was gone then, which I also heard is quite fast. So... I managed to hold back for another two days then. And then on day nine, I tested again. I got a positive. 
And then just for like sport or madness, I done it every day <laughs> thereafter, just to make sure. And was it, was it getting still darker? There. It was, but then I ran out of those tests, the ones where you can see it mm. um, based on how dark the line is, and I had to move to clear blue. <laughs> and the clear blue is not as sensitive as well. No, they, they do have an early one, but everybody seems to do the coloured, you know, the first yeah. response ones. So clear blues, and I don't mean to defame any companies, but they say <laughs> they also have an early detection yeah. test, which I used, and it came up positive and then like I continued crazy person <laughs> for the next few weeks before the scan how much money did you spend on pregnancy tests <laughs> my mum said to me that I can't go back into the chemist because <laughs> they're going to think there's something wrong with me so for the last <laughs> were batch, you going to like different chemists I did it first but then they this is this I look insane the first chemist where I got all the kind of strip responses yeah. ran out of them so I had to go to my local chemist and then because I continued to tick, so Clear Blue have ones that are like one week, or yeah. two weeks, yeah, two, yeah. three, three plus. I wanted one each week. So my mum was like, you can't go in there anymore. So I sent her in. <laughs> she's so funny. Yeah, she's 60 this year and she's in there buying pregnancy tests. Which, That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, don't know how much I spent, but it maybe ruined mine and my mother's reputation. <laughs> <laughs> so then you... Did you believe that you were pregnant at that point? Because I know sometimes, you know, when you... And I suppose this is why the clinics will advise not to do home pregnancy tests because you can get Mm. a false positive or a false negative. And really the only reliable kind of way to definitely say you're pregnant is a blood test. So you came back in for the blood test. When you came in that day, were you like... I'm definitely pregnant or did you yeah. want that to confirm no I knew I was definitely because yeah. I'd, t- I'd taken four tests or something yeah, yeah. um so even if you might get one that was wrong I didn't think four would be and yeah. certainly not because I had tested out the trigger mm-hmm. so I knew I mean you don't get a positive unless you, you have hcg yeah um that doesn't mean it's going to work every time yeah but um it was there so I went in the clinic I was perfectly happy and I told them I'd be seeing them for a scan and skipped back out yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but despite that I still because you learn so much at every stage Mm. so after you've got over the I just want to be pregnant I want the positive result it then goes to I want a high HCG number because it has to be a good one because Mm. you know if you've got a low one there's a danger it's not a viable pregnancy so I was still sitting there being like give me give me the result I want it to be a high one a high one (laughs) so when I think I was told I'd get a call before I don't know say 3 30 something like that 3.25 3.25 I hadn't had one so I called therapy and I was like please tell me they came back to me and then I was like is that is that a good one like what is the maximum you can see tell me yeah, like yeah, where yeah. am I the poor nurse must have been like just calm down like we'll see you for your scan <laughs> I went online and found everything I could find on numbers yeah never google like what HCG no, numbers mean because no, you'll be like oh it's twins oh it's this it's that well and I thought I was having yeah, twins yeah, for a while yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a whole other bag of concern. Um, but yeah, no, I, I got the result and I was perfectly satisfied with it. But then, like every stage of this, and I've learned, and I'm sure this will go on until my child's 18, I was then like, okay, the next step. So it is was, the scan. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I can't relax until the scan's okay. <laughs> and then it's like... So when you came in for the scan, mm. you brought your mom with you, didn't you? I did, yeah. yeah. Um, How who, is that? Well, she tells me in her day, as if, I say that as if it was like the 1800s. I was born in 1986 and... Apparently you didn't get scans then, so you got. I remember uh, you telling me this. This Mm. is crazy. Yeah, apparently they just checked her pelvis because I think then it used to be if you were shoe size five or above, they thought you could probably uh, give birth without a C-section. That is hilarious. Um, she had an X-ray to check her pelvis, and that was it. She didn't have anything else. So when I said to her, "There's an early scan," but like, "Mum, you know, it won't look like a baby." 
Um, it looked I, like a bean. Mine looked like a little bean with a rope pulled on a ball. Um, <laughs> we've been laughing at the pictures ever since. But she was like, oh, are you sure I should come then? Is that really a scan, Sarah? Have you maybe made this up? Like, mm. like I'm crazy. Yeah. It's like, no, it's fine, come along. Like, And I was kind of offended. I was like, why don't you want to see your grandchild? Like, you're all I have, you better come along. Um, and then when we got in there, she started crying. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> obviously not what she expected. I didn't, though. I was very kind of, is everything okay? Yeah. Um, very, like, methodical and factual about it. Mm. Um, but it was it was lovely. It's, it's surreal, I think, is the right word. Especially that early on, because you're so used to seeing... Um, pregnancy images and they all look like little babies yeah. whereas that age it's a, a beam with a ball <laughs> um, yeah but lovely but surreal yeah it is bizarre seeing them that early on mm-hmm. um and then have you been into your maternity hospital have you had another scan since my next scan is on next tuesday i because um i was under the care of therapy mm. I then, I think you, I was released at like seven and a half weeks. Yeah. So then I went to my GP, <clears throat> um, got some shocking news about my weight gain, and then had to go and book into the hospital. So that has to be done by paper. Okay. Took a little bit longer, but I've booked in for um, a Harmony and IPT test next week. So not only will I get a scan, I'll get a blood which will tell me the sex, and I'm going to find out. So I'm very excited. Um, okay, so how have you found the community of single parents by choice? They're they're so supportive. I said this to a group of friends I have back in Scotland that I'd never seen mm. such a kind community. Mm. And I think now I'm, this is it started off online. I've actually there's a group who now meet in real life if you like. Um, but even for the wider online community, like whether it's on Instagram or forums or Facebook or whatever. And it, it goes beyond just like single parents. It goes to anybody going through fertility treatment or people um, battling infertility. Mm. They're all so kind. And I think it's because they all recognise how hard it is mm. and how emotional it is. And whilst I'm sure that's true for everybody who has a child, if you're doing assisted reproduction, there's the added, you know, the stresses you get with the scans, with the drugs, with the injections. Mm. There's just something that bit different mm. as well. So it's so supportive because it's quite difficult. Yeah. But it's such a kind community. Last question. Mm-hmm. What would you say to anyone who is really wanting to become a parent but is not in a relationship and is kind of hesitant about going it alone, so to speak? I I do, because I have in my little group um, of single mothers within... Single mothers by choice. <laughs> I like the little SNBC um, in Dublin. There is a, a woman who's kind of just new to it mm. and is just thinking about it. And a lot of her concerns are like the ones that everybody had. And I think maybe I had subconsciously didn't focus on too much, but it's letting go of the idea that in order to have or to see kids in your life, you have to see a partner, whether that's like a same sex partner or an Mm. opposite. It always seems to be focused around relationships. Mm. Like the last taboo, if you like, to me is being single doing these things. Mm. Like even for adoption, I was shocked when I looked into it that, um, single people can't adopt you, t- you have to be in like a special category and get like an exemption um so it really is for me like the last taboo and I think she felt like that and it's just a process of letting that go that's that's not true you don't have to do these things it, I probably never did and you certainly don't have to do them anymore like I was raised by my parents get on and my dad was relatively close by but still in a, a single mother household I think I turned out very well so there's there's no 
there's no reason to hold on to that. You have to have a partner to do it. Um, and then when you let go of that, it's just absolutely exciting. Like I think it's empowering. And I think if you can change your view from fear to empowerment, then you just want to jump in because it's how amazing that I can do everything on my own and I don't need anybody else. And then all you can see is the benefits of doing it on your own. Like I get to make every decision. There's nobody else I ever have to ask. Whichever I, like way I want to go, it's all on me. Um, and when you see it as empowering and brave rather than something you should be afraid of and a bit nervous of, it just it switched instantly for me. Yeah. Um, I'll probably take that back when I'm crying in two years' time because there's nobody <laughs> around to help me. But to be honest, I don't know how much help I'd have uh, from the men I dated anyway. So. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming in to chat. I know for a fact that you sharing your story both with us and online is just so helpful because I think for people to to see other people going through the same things it just mm. it's, it's so comforting to know that you're not alone and I know you have found that within the community so thank you for being so open and transparent with your journey thanks for having me and I hope fun. the pregnancy goes really well and that the si- sickness goes away oh so do I just it needs <laughs> to end the sickness and the acid and fatigue <laughs> I just want to be back to myself I promise you'll forget about it as soon as you have your baby after the childbirth I'll forget about that yeah yeah, yeah. you will you will it's just you know it's the it's the way biology works yeah. you, something happens and the hormones just make you forget so I'll come back when the child's five and I'm complaining about something else it's yes, hard to exactly. do it on your own exactly <laughs> thank you so much thank you we hope you've enjoyed this episode of fertility talks the therapy fertility podcast If you have, please rate, review and subscribe. For more information on the services we offer, you can visit www.therapyfertility.com.